Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, spring is in the air. Spring is here. Taxes are due Taxes soon. are due soon. Yeah, let's forget about taxes. We talked about that last week. But <laughs> well, we got know, much more interesting topics today, don't we? We do. You know, people are buzzing about our topics. They're getting you know? high on pot. <laughs> right? High on investing in oh, pot. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah right. we don't. We're not promoting pot here. No, but, stocks. We get questions on that. I've gotten it's quite sh- a few times It's recently. shocking, actually, all the questions we're getting about investing in Cannabis, marijuana, pot, yeah, the weed, you know, I mean, but it is, you know, so we're going to talk about that. I mean, because it is an interesting topic. It's the, it's kind of the buzz of the, of the year, if you will, you know, last year it was cyber currencies and Mm -hmm. when that crashed and now it's, it's pot, you know, so I mean. You see it in the news a lot. Then in Aiken, there is a store, a CBD store that opened and that's not exactly the, you know, the, the, the pot, you know, but it's a derivative. So it's, uh, it's out there in the news. Yeah, the oil, the cannabis oil, whatever. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. It's an interesting topic, and then we're going to follow that up with... Uh, the good old financial goals and how you can hit them. Oh, you're just it's mad. exciting, isn't it? Going from, like, we've gone from talking about yeah. you know, investing in marijuana to yeah. financial goals. Come on, man. We've got to bring it down. You know, we got to get out of the clouds and bring it down to reality a little well, bit. Well, don't so. smoke any of that stuff, or else you won't reach any financial goals. This you, is true. You, that won't is care, a bad... you won't care about your goals. That's right. That's right. That's a bad habit that you will, it'll keep you from your goals. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we got some good topics, interesting topics. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Day Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 24 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. That's where the podcast reside. We have a lot of other videos out there, some calculators, um, a lot of tools and resources. So go check out moneymd.net. We have a Twitter handle that's uh, moneymd that we're out there tweeting and uh, also a Facebook page. Put some posts out there periodically. So uh, out there trying to do some education. Absolutely. We are out there lots of places and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So if you have questions, you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or you can link to us on our website. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the uh, Census Bureau, and 40% of Americans, uh, American homeowners, own their home free and clear of any debt. That's fantastic. Uh, no outstanding mortgage, um, no home equity loans, and of the 60% with debt, the average outstanding balance is, is about $126,000. So um, that 40%, probably the majority of them are approaching retirement or are in retirement. That's certainly one of our goals for our clients is to have no debt going into retirement. It frees up a lot of resources and kind of takes that monthly payment pressure off of you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you want to get on track to having your house paid off, you know, eventually. And so I'd say 15 years or less is really the goal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a 30-year mortgage, and try to amortize it over 15 years, try to make darn sure it's paid off before retirement. So get on track to have your house paid off. Um, but, you know, I mean, some people are, some 40% have their house paid off. That's a good number. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, you're in that 40%. I think Dave, Dave would be pretty pleased with that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Interesting fact of the week. All right. Speaking of interesting, (laughs) 
<laughs> the question is, should you invest in pot? It's kind of a cloudy issue. It is a foggy issue. Foggy issue, yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of buzz about it, John. There is. There's a lot of a lot of buzz going in the media. <laughs> All right, enough of the puns already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is based on an article um, out of USA Today, Adam Shell, um, here pretty recently. But, John, you know, it's hard to believe we've been talking about this. But, yes, we are getting a number of questions nowadays about whether you should be investing in cannabis, better known as pot, marijuana, and I have to admit, you know, I'm naturally biased against it. I mean, since investing in marijuana, you know, I mean, I grew up, you know, in the 70s and, you know, people growing pot were known as potheads, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, you know, the picture that Cheech and Chong's <laughs> painted in the 70s of potheads, it, it was somebody with a few less brain cells. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, having said that, it's obviously become quite the hot topic recently, and, you know, all the states have been, a lot of states have been getting on board with approving medical marijuana or recreational marijuana. Um, Canada recently legalized it. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talk about it. I mean, the upstart legal cannabis industry is gaining a lot of, of traction among investors, many of whom are excited about getting in early on the kind of budding but speculative business. So, yes, there has been a lot of buzz this year about, <laughs> you know, investing in that. Um, and, you know, it's very reminiscent of the cybersecurities just a year ago. Um, on a recent trading day, five of the six stocks with the most trading volume on uh, at TD Ameritrade were cannabis-related, according to, <clears throat> um, you know, the brokerage firm. And a confluence of factors has shifted investing in marijuana from kind of the fringe to the mainstream here recently. And it's attracted a lot of attention, a lot of dollars of ordinary people. Um, so the obvious question is, should you be considering investing in pot, um, in cannabis stocks? So we're going to take a look at that question right now. Yeah. You know, investors are, are looking to profit from a new market um, that generated about $8.5 billion in spending on legal marijuana in the U.S. in the last year, and that's estimated to grow to $23 billion in 2022, and that's according to the um, uh, some market research that's been done. Uh, illegal sales of pot accounted for 87% of the sales in North America, and that was estimated at $46 billion in 2016. So I guess one of the takeaways from this, Steve, is, um, <clears throat> you know, this is public information, so right. the stock prices reflect this growth already. Absolutely. This is not a <clears throat> – I mean – the people that, that analyze and the analysts on these stocks are looking at these growth rates and they have them priced in already. That's right. I mean, you know, people look at, at, at marijuana and they're like, oh, wow, this is new. It's just, you know, coming of age. You know, actually, there are over 80 exchange listed stocks and over 200 over the counter stocks that are already trading, you know, um, for, you know, marijuana. So, it's really not that new. It's just it's just got kind of got the, the hottest, mainstream hottest craze. Um, yes, exactly right. But it has grown substantially. You know, there's a chart here that we're looking at, and you know, it's it's grown from uh, it's projected to grow to over twenty three billion dollars in spending um, in just a few years. So from fourteen billion projected to be this year. So you know, we're seeing a lot of money come in on the hype. They say. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, there's funding in real estate. 
related funding for greenhouses, warehouses, houses, medical labs that are used by marijuana and cannabis companies. So there's a lot of fringe uh, companies that are benefiting as well. And they're generating a lot of hype um, in Canada on their nationwide legalization that they did recently for recreational marijuana. And, um, you know, and there is a lot of and, and there are a lot of marijuana growers in Canada now that they've legalized it. So in America, meanwhile, 31 states and the District of Columbia has legalized marijuana for medical purposes and nine plus D.C. have approved it for recreational use according to ProCon.org data. Is that what's happening up in Washington? I guess that's it, man. That's, all, they legalized all it. And <laughs> you know, it, it seems to be. They, that act, may be like it, yeah. they act like they're all high. They, uh, they? Yeah, that, that's, that answers a lot of questions. It does answer a lot of questions. <laughs> Brings me to a funny story, actually, that I'll interject real quick. I went up last year and uh, to Long Island and spent a couple days, and I played Beth Page Black. It's a course I've always wanted to play, so we just flew up there for a weekend, basically, and uh, it's a municipal course. Went out and played it, but it's a very famous, very hard course up in Long Island. And um, I was out there playing it. And being a municipal course, anybody can play it, right? So, a couple of local guys, three of them, came and joined me. And uh, you know, they weren't really dressed like golfers. They were like in blue jeans and t-shirts and things. And these were just, you know, very ordinary folks, you know, that worked, you know, blue collar jobs. And uh, so we were playing, and about the third hole, one of them. Name was Bill. He came over to me. He says, "Hey man," he says, "You want to, you 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 want to smoke on this?" And he was smoking a pipe, and he said, "It's cannabis." Oh, nice. He was smoking cannabis oil while playing we were out golf. there playing golf. Nice. And they, I was like, "Man, he'd been talking incessantly for the first three holes." And I just looked at him. I said, "Well, Bill, that explains a lot." I said, "That really does." <laughs> you know, that's funny. It was funny. You yeah. know, he just laughed. He was just trying to be funny, but you know, he was smoking it the whole time. Man, I was like, "Gee whiz, this is." Did it improve is, his golf game? It did not. He was horrible. <laughs> he was horrible. Yeah, that's funny. So it was really funny. But yeah, I mean, that's what's happening. You know, I mean, it's becoming a lot more mainstream, and you know, of course, the feds aren't really, uh, they aren't really enforcing. Uh, against it nowadays, even though it's still illegally on the federal level. So, um, you know, so there's a lot going on in the cannabis industry, and it's kind of stemmed from all these states, 31 states that have approved legal marijuana. Yeah, there was uh, one stock, it's called Tilray, um, and they had an IPO in July um, of last year, and it was the first one in the U.S., and it, it gave U.S. and investors a way to, to get into the, to the market um, Tilray's uh, stock went on a wild ride when the company won approval from the U.S. to import medical cannabis to America for clinical trials. And adding to the industry's credibility are major investments and in, in some growing interest from some of the world's biggest beverage makers. These big companies are looking to add cannabis-infused drinks to their lineups. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, hard to believe all the different offshoots yeah. of where they want to, you know, apply this. Um yeah, that's right. Um, you know, and then Corona Brewer Constellation Brands last month uh, said it was investing an additional $4 billion into canopy growth, canopy growth, um, which increasing it to nearly 40%. Last week, they say, and this was as of last year, this article, Coca-Cola got Wall Street's attention when it said it was eyeing cannabis drinks, um, you know, a market for cannabis drinks. And then companies like Constellation are investing real money in marijuana companies. 
And so it just kind of validates the demand is there and, you know, it represents kind of a broad uh, appeal, you know, that this has for one segment. I won't say broad appeal, but they're, you know, they're pointing out that it's, you know, there are uh, obviously there is a demand for it. Um, but, you know, while the industry is gaining more acceptance, it still faces a lot of legal, regulatory and other hurdles. Um, and even more than six out of 10 Americans say that marijuana should be legal, according to Gallup mm. poll. So, you know, I mean, it, it has definitely uh, gained, gained some momentum. Right. So you got to be careful uh, in these kind of you know situations. Um, we've seen it in the past with like, you, you know, cryptocurrency, you know, technology and so forth. And one of the factors that's threatening to kill the industry's budge is the speculative nature of the pot stocks. Tilray, for example, went public at $17 a share back in July, climbed as high as 300 So if you got out there, great, but it dropped back to $108 um, a while back. So it's a wild ride. And, um, you know, the, the dot-com boom and bust that happened back in the the 90s and you look at the Bitcoin and, you know, a lot of investors may be jumping in because marijuana stocks are going up Um in smoke, no, not not in smoke, but they're going up a lot, and people are fear missing out on a big gain, not because they've done their their homework and research and you know looked at the valuation, but just because it's a hot topic. And short term bubbles and any type of investment are created when people don't want to be left out. And uh, I mean, we see this time and time again in in different sectors. I mean, this is not new from the investing yeah. industry, right? And so, if you were going to look at you know some kind of marijuana stocks, you know, and and put some any kind of money in that you you got to remember the fundamentals do matter okay you have to look at fundamentals you cannot um just jump on the bandwagon because other people are doing it because that's where speculation comes in and you get stocks that do what what this one did that you mentioned that went up to 300 and then dropped all the way down to 107 so um you know there's disasters out there you got to be careful about that but despite the potential growth that lies ahead um you know, they say if the federal government or more states legalize marijuana, plowing money into pot stocks is, is still much riskier than buying a blue chip stock and, and better yet, a diversified portfolio. Um, you know, th- this is truly a speculative boom or bust trade that has not yet become an investment, according to the chief strategist at TD Ameritrade. Investors who remain bullish on uh, marijuana, they they see an upstart business that will benefit from mass adoption and broad legalization around the world for recreational, medical, medicinal pur- purposes. But then the skeptics counter that marijuana is still illegal in the eyes of the U.S. and other governments that regulate, um, you know, uh, trading. And it's also tough for, to predict. They say whether or not the early movers in the business will be around in a few years, just as many of the early Internet stocks, such as Pets.com, flamed out in the 1990s. You know, it's quite possible today's companies that are out there will not survive either. So think of all the obvious profitable industries that have popped up over the years that have been early adopters that have been crowded out labor later by the bigger players in a very short period of time. For instance, you know, Amazon didn't invent online shopping before they took it over before from net market, who was one of the early players in those days back in the nineties. You know, no one buys IBM computers anymore, even though they were one of the first in an obviously growing market. In the same way, it is doubtful that the early cannabis companies 
will be able to survive the competition from big pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer and Bristol-Myers if pot becomes fully a fully legal substance. I mean, after all, you know, growing marijuana is not like trying to design and build an electric car. You know, yeah. it would only be a matter of months before big players could be in business when they so choose. So keep that in mind. Yeah, needless to say, though, if you if you do want to invest in the cannabis industry, I mean, uh, you got to you know, go into it knowing, hey, and particularly with one stock, you can lose uh, a lot of it, if not all. So there are options out there. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Steve, there's 80 exchange listed pot stocks, uh, most, most of which are Canadian listed and they're trading in the U.S. There's also 200 over-the-counter type stocks um, that are traded outside the official exchanges. There's a lot of ETFs out there that you can take a look at. Um, if you are going to do it, I would put it in an ETF versus an individual stock. So absolutely, I certainly wouldn't allocate very much to it. No, I mean, if you're going to dabble in this, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the bottom line is we'd certainly recommend you use an ETF, you know, like this alternative harvest ETF that's come on come out there um you know you you want to you want to be diversified in it but I would not do anything more than dabble at all if you were going to do it because it is very speculative and you know it certainly can end up going the way of cyber securities so and who knows if the U.S. will ever you know approve it at any national level and until then it can't really it'd be difficult for it to gain widespread acceptance on any major exchanges. But if you do invest in it, you know, brace yourself for volatility and the good and bad days, analysts say. The general thesis is it'll be a huge market someday. Everyone will, you know, will will be using it, so to speak. But analysts say that's way too optimistic and it's just wrong. You know, you don't want to gamble your retirement savings on the current crop of pot stocks. So, you know, beware of scammers and fraudsters also that are making false promises of big returns in cannabis-related businesses. Um, The SEC sent out a warning very recently about that very thing. So anyway, that's the the scoop on... On pot stocks. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, interesting Educating topic. Educating our audience out there on pot. There you go. Yeah. Well, we just want to be up on the latest news. You can get it right here on MoneyMD. And that brings us to <laughs> yeah, right. the question of the week. Yeah, we'll get back to uh, some some sanity here. We're talking about retirement. So the question is, I want to retire financially. I've run my calculations. My plan says I can retire, but I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my time any suggestions? I, you know, it's a good question. We've we've talked about this before. You got to make sure that you go through that that mental exercise of when you do retire, what are you going to do? You can't just sit at home or you can't play golf every every day for seven days straight. And so you've got to go through that mental exercise and only, figure out where you're going to plug in. Yeah, only four days on the only golf four course. days. Yeah, that's right. No, um, yeah, I mean, you want to get a hobby, you know, or, or keep working. Um, you know, if you're enjoying your work, I mean, no need to. No need to retire early if you don't have something you plan to do, um, if you don't have a bucket list and, you know, people you want to go see and things you want to do. But Vo- you can volunteer. Volunteer. Volunteer, yeah. volunteer is a great way to do it. So, But, yeah, you do need a plan, definitely. You don't want to just run into retirement just because you hit age 58 or 62 or whatever the age is. Um, you want to make sure you have a plan and, and maybe maybe do a dry run of that. Maybe retire part-time and you know, kind of dip your toe into retirement and don't just go in with both feet finding out that you, you know, the the wife doesn't want you around all that's the time. Right, that's right. Send you <laughs> so, back to work. 
Exactly. Okay, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is uh, the the bad habits and traits that will stop you from reaching your goals. Yeah, number one is uh, pot. Yeah, you don't want to be stay away from that. You don't want to be spending a lot of not, time with Bill. You know, that's uh, right. Not good for the golf game <laughs> on Long Island, smoking pot. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're going to look at nine bad habits, and um, you know, one <clears> of them is uh, is is failing to plan. This comes from uh, comes out of CNBC, and you know, Steve, it's interesting. About ninety two percent. Ninety-two percent of people who don't achieve their goal, um, they fail as a result of, of planning, and we see that uh, people, folks that come in. I mean, planning is difficult. There's a lot of different pieces and parts to it, and I feel like that's one way we really add value is we pull that together and give them a, a pretty clear future of what to do and what not to do. But people who don't plan for how to manage their money and, and lack a budget, they are vulnerable to impulse buying overspending and making unwise decisions. So you may be earning a lot of money, but failure to plan, it can really derail you from your, you know, your goals and your objectives. That's right. And one of the big things here that, that hinders people from reaching their goals is they set unrealistic goals. So you have to have realistic goals. You know, most people, they have kind of have unsuitable goals to get them where they want to go. Um, You know, their goals are either vague um, they're too broad. They're exaggerated. They don't have a timeline. So setting unrealistic goals, they're going to demoralize you, especially in this area where young people prefer kind of, <clears throat> you know, duplicating the celebrity lifestyle and lavish spending. Today's young people um, below age 35, they're they're living on a tight budget. You know, they're called the, the squeeze generation. Um, they have low income. Uh, you know, they're they're under a prolonged economic crisis in some uh, regards. So, you know, they're in debt, they're struggling with school loans, family difficulties. Um, Another aspect of unrealistic goals is setting standards that are too high with inadequate time to achieve them. So make sure you have realistic goals with very specific timelines, very specific achievable things that you can accomplish along the way. Yeah, another another bad habit is just not having the uh, the financial literacy and and, uh, ignorance is a significant enemy of progress. And in this case, Financial success, and we see you know a large number of people just don't have the training. It's not taught in schools. It wasn't taught by by their family and their parents because their parents weren't taught. So um, you know they believe financial success is doing things that they have have always planned to do. For example, living in the moment. So success has no specific approach. It's just a combination of proven methods and and uh, that you apply to your personal situation. And that's where that, you know, the Dave Ramsey material, the Financial Peace University comes, you know, it's critical. I mean, you got to have that kind of information. Listening to this podcast like you're doing is a way to get financial literacy. Right. And so you have to have an openness to experience new things. You know, that's a characteristic, especially with people who are interested in learning new things or engaged in creativity. Nevertheless, it doesn't mean people with other personality traits should not seek more knowledge and information. You know, knowledge has never been irrelevant, and that applies to financial knowledge. Read books, watch the news, follow closely, you know, emerging trends and issues in finances, and, you know, work with a financial advisor, they say here. Yeah, another one, uh, another bad habit is impatience. Um, We we talked about... um, you know, last week with Chris Hogan's millionaire, it takes about 28 years to reach millionaire status. So it doesn't happen overnight. People have a high confidence on a goal and motivation and, you know, they're, they're hell bent on achieving it. But, um, you know, when they encounter some kind of challenge or difficulties, it leads to impatience. And a lot of times they, they don't meet their financial goals. So, 
Um, just know that it's a journey, right? <clears throat> you need to, it's not, wealth typically is not made overnight. So yeah. And the impatience really applies to investing too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's easy for folks to go through a year like last year and get impatient and say, oh, gee, my strategy is not working. You know, you got to take the long view on that and, uh, you got to be patient and realize there are going to be ups and downs, but as long as it's, you know, doing within the bounds of what you expect, you you, you got to have patience. Yeah, twenty five percent of the years are are negative historically is what exactly. we've seen. So, um, kind of building that into your process. Another one is just lacking financial discipline. Um, nothing can be accomplished without a little bit of discipline. And to that point, only forty percent of Americans spend less than they earn. And overall, Americans lack financial discipline. They spend more than they earn, and and derailing people from their plan becomes really easy, especially when you give them an, an enticing idea, right? So if you look at all the marketing out there, uh, they're trying to get you to buy new stuff and, and create new habits and so forth. So discipline facilitates really the consistency that financial s- success needs. So one way to do the financial discipline is to pay yourself monthly, set up those automatic right. payments, whether it's in your 401k right. or your Roth. And so if you do that every month, it kind of becomes a bill and you pay yourself. And that's that's a great way to get financial discipline. That's right. Another uh, bad habit that will keep you from reaching your goals is resisting change. You know, change is never easy, um, despite the fact that it's the it's the essence of existence. You know, if you're going to reach new goals, if you're going to accomplish things, you have to embrace change. It's the only way you get better. People don't like getting out of their comfort zone or, or what they are, are used to doing. You know, in a study published by Forge revealed that 45% of employees in an organization like to maintain the status quo. You cannot achieve new things by maintaining the same habits. You know, I mean, achieving your financial goals are going to require you to, to make certain sacrifices. Agree to, to pay the price because it's going to reward you with more than you sacrificed in the end. So see the bigger picture. Stop being an obstacle to your own success embrace change because it is necessary to reach new goals. Yeah, Dave Dave Ramsey has that saying, live like no one else, so later you can live and give like no one else. Exactly. Because you're sacrificing some today. So That's right. Another bad habit is procrastinating. Uh, various studies have concluded that 20% of American, the American population um, admit that they are procrastinators. Um, addictions to the phones and technology as well as social media sites is causing a lot of folks to overlook financial planning and this problem is a primary obstacle to a lot of your financial success. So putting off you know, the, the day that you start saving or making a financial plan is going to push your goals out of reach, really. So you got to focus. That's right. And the next one here is making poor financial decisions. Um, the University of Warwick in England researched the cause and effect relationship between poverty and poor decision making. And there was undoubtedly a connection but not for the reason you would expect. Low-income earners are overwhelmed with overbearing expectations of daily life, and hence they're left with no energy to make other sound decisions. Um, So this is a contributing factor to poor choices. So avoid being blinded by your present circumstances because they're, you know, a hindrance to your financial goals. Always direct your mental energy uh, toward what will help you resolve your financial difficulties you know, take the energy, get rested, take, make the energy to make a good financial decision. Don't let that get in your way. Yeah. And the last one here is lacking creativity and doing something the same way all the time. 
it may not yield different results. So people insist on doing things in an ordinary fashion, but they want extraordinary results. So avoid avoiding or fearing creativity can cause you to stagnate um, for as long as you resist a change. So, you know, everybody wants to be successful, Steve, right? But it, it takes some planning. It takes time. It takes patience. Um, you know, this, this stuff, you know, being, being wealthy and, and reaching certain goals and milestones, it takes decades generally to do that. So, but you got to have a plan. The fact that you're listening to this podcast means that you're, you're trying to get some financial literacy. So, uh, you know, kudos to that. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, you can certainly reach out to us at, uh, info at moneymd.net. That's right. Great topic. All right. And that leads us up to our last topic, and that is the prescription of the week. Make sure you are not being too conservative to meet your objectives. That's the prescription this week because, you know, John, it's very easy to go through a year like last year and to back off on your investments, to get nervous and, you know, uh, not have enough inequities to reach your long term goals. So you have to reevaluate, you know, kind of where you're at, where you want to go, what return do you need with your investments over time and recognize that. You know, you're, you're going to have to probably have some of your money in equities to do that because fixed income over the last 20 years uh, for the 30, uh, the one month uh, T-bill has averaged 1.8% over the last 20 years. Inflation has averaged 2.2% over the last 20 years. So, so inflation, you lost money. You lost money. Inflation made more than one month T-bills did or IECDs mm-hmm. are kind of very similar over the last 20 years. So you have to have some money in equities. Long-term, over the last 50 years, equities have returned about 10% per year. So make sure you're not too conservative to meet your long-term goals. Reevaluate your risk. That's the uh, prescription for the week. Okay, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 